Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. In just a few moments, we will read one verse of Scripture. The message today is to carry us a little bit further than we've been in the last few Sundays by just continuing the journey. We talked last week about building relationships. Today I want to try to remind some and show others for the first time the purpose for which you are made and the purpose for which you are saved if you are saved. Gloria Candelaria that was just baptized is the wife of one of our deacons. Gloria Candelaria has a mission ministry and has for years, not only here, but in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Her husband and her have an incredible mission ministry in Mexico. She has walked the walk, but there was something lacking in her life, scripturally, that she knew was missing that she did not want to miss out on because she knows the Lord well enough. If God has something for you, you want to partake of it. Just the way God is. If God tells you to do something, he's got a reason for it. And a lot of people do not understand. They feel like they come to this world, they get, uh, uh, you know, whatever parent God chooses. They live wherever the parents live. They go off to school, they get an education, then they decide to choose their career. What do I want to do? And what am I qualified to do? And all that's okay if you just keep in mind the more simple truth. And that is before the foundation of the world, you were created. God had a plan and purpose for you before this world began. He put you here where you are, the way he made you, and the generation he put you with an opportunity for you to... Trust him as Savior and Lord and be born again and then take on the purpose for which you're put here. And that purpose is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the uttermost part of the earth. And that is not religion. But rather, it is to help people that have no idea why they're here find purpose for their life and people to not know that God has, that their steps are ordained of God, to help them discover that and we are never to stop the gospel with ourselves. We're to carry it to the uttermost parts of the world. Now I want you to listen very carefully to a very simple scripture for all of you that, that always try to lean on the fact that I'm going to stay just like I am because I cannot understand the Bible. I just don't understand it, especially the King James. I just don't understand all those these and thous and so forth. Uh, I'm not buying that excuse. I want to keep this as simple as I can keep it for you today. I want you to see very clearly, very simply, without question, the purpose that God has for your life. Would you stand and let me read to you one verse of Scripture. From the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John, the 18th verse, Jesus is speaking. He is speaking to people, many of which are hearing him for the first time. Here's what he says. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. He's talking to the Father. He says, God, as you sent me into the world. Now stop just a moment. Ask yourself, why did Jesus come to this world? 
Why was he born? Why did he come? Here's what John says. Father, as you sent Jesus into this world, or as Jesus says, as you have sent me into the world, I am going to send out you. Think about that. Would you be seated? God's purpose for your life is more than salvation. God's not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. He wants you to be saved, but that's not where it stops. Every person has been put on this planet with the purpose of becoming a missionary, a spreader of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is, from the very foundation of the world, God had lost, God the Father had lost fellowship with humanity. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and the word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And as Jesus came into this world, he died on the cross to pay the price for the salvation that the Father was sending, but he stayed long enough to set out the purpose that remained for those that were left behind, as he said, it's best for me to go away. There was a purpose for it. As God had a purpose for Jesus, he's got a purpose for me, and he's got a purpose for you. Now, my question is, do you have any idea what that purpose is? Do you, do you understand that as God looks down on you at this moment, he is wanting so much for you to discover today your purpose, your plan, God's plan for your life. You need a ministry. Now, let me tell you something. There's two sides to this ministry. Number one, every person needs a ministry to fellow believers. We all have spiritual gifts, different gifts. Some have teaching gifts. You know, some have mercy gifts. Some, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of gifts, okay? Now, God intends for you to be a minister of the gospel to your fellow Christians. But he also wants you to be a minister to unbelievers. He wants you to be a missionary to unbelievers. He wants you to be used by him as Jesus was used to go about in order that people could come to Christ in salvation, but then as Jesus left to, come, to go back to heaven, that those people could pick up and carry the gospel until Jesus comes back to this earth again. Now I want to say something to you in love, to my fellow Christians. It is very easy for Christian people to become introverted. By that I mean it is very easy for you to say, my mission on earth is just to encourage my fellow believers. That's part of your ministry, but that's not all of your ministry. Well, I just think that I'm to study the Word and I'm to teach others and teach the Bible study class where all the Christian people come. That can very well be a major part, but what about the world? What about the unchurched, unsaved? Do you want to just minister to fellow believers, get together and decide what we fellow believers want and make sure that the church does what we want? Because forget about those people that are out there in the world. Who are they? <laughs> well, they're sinners that God loves, just like you were. 
And somebody came to you. And somebody brought you in to the kingdom. I remember Angel Martinez was one of the great evangelists of yesteryear. He always told his testimony how he came to church to get some ice cream for the first time in his life on the streets of San Antonio. And he came to get ice cream, but he left with Jesus. And I guarantee you there were some meetings held somewhere about the ice cream. There's too much sugar in it or it's going to cost the church more out of the budget than it should. I'm sure that nothing spiritual about ice cream was brought up in some meeting, but they did. But angels said, God doesn't care what you come for, it's what you go away with. And every person here needs to understand your ministry is twofold. It is a, it is a terrible thing for the world to say that bunch of Christians are a bunch of introverted do-gooders that like to hug on each other and blame the rest of us for everything that's happening. It's hard to get out of your comfort zone and to be somewhere at the plant in a recreational situation or flying on an airplane or moving about in the supermarket or driving in the traffic and you take on the responsibility of being a missionary, a witness to an unchurched, unsaved world. We all need a ministry to the body of Christ and the family of God. But you need a mission to the world. Now this is a rhetorical question. I do this often uh, to generate emails. (laughs) You don't have to send me an email. Answer this to God. Did you come to church today to be with your friends or did you come to church today hoping you'd see somebody you've never saw in your life and have an opportunity to give a word, a look, and a touch and tell them about Jesus? Just rhetorical, don't raise hands. Are you here to sit by your friends, fellowship together, say I hadn't seen you since last Sunday, so good to see you, or are you going to search for somebody you don't know and go up to them and say, I'm not sure that I know your name, but I'd like to. And I just want you to know, we're glad to have you at Sagemont today. See, we catch ourselves doing this. We all do. We're all guilty. We're all guilty. But we have uh, missions that are customized to minister to believers, but also we have the responsibility to share with the whole world. John 20, 21 says, As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Here it comes back again. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to go and testify the gospel of the grace of God. That's our call. We were once sinking in the depths of sin, and somebody touched me. And oh, what a difference it made in my life. Some people that watch television all the time would think the gospel is send me your money. That's not the gospel. The gospel is a gift of God through faith because of God's grace and love for you and for me. The Bible says that once I know the good news that God wants me to pass it on to somebody else, that's our mission. That's our mission. I've seen many of you because I've been your pastor for a long time. I've seen you first 10 years. You didn't pass it on, but you started passing it on. Now you're one of the best at passing it on. I've seen other people get saved on Sunday, and they they bring three lost people the next Sunday. You know, you got to be careful about them. They'll jump over the, the first part to go to the second part. 
you know, they'll run over believers just to get the unbelievers here. It all balances out. But listen to Acts 1.8. You shall be witnesses unto me. This is a church. This is Christians. Both in Jerusalem, that's Houston for us, Judea, that's Texas, Samaria, USA, and the uttermost part of the earth. He says, the scripture in Acts says, church, you are to be my witnesses. Now, when he wrote this, he was in Jerusalem. You are to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. Let's start right here. If someone came to where you work, where you live, to your block, in your neighborhood, and walked up to a stranger, one of your neighbors, and said, I'm looking for, call the name, it was your name, because they are members of my church and Christians, and we go to church together every Sunday. What would your neighbor say? You must have the wrong block. Not in that house. Well, you need to pray for them. You've heard that? You know what you have. Jesus said, I want you to start with the people closest to you. And then I want you to go to the uttermost part of the world. That's what it is. Let me tell you something that's going on in Sagemont right now for those that, that just like to sit and look. We have several families here. Six months ago, not a single one of them were Christians. Not a one. Not a one. Some of them went to church every Sunday, but they never knew how to be born again. Didn't know what it meant. You know what? Every Sunday, they're bringing members of their family. Every single Sunday. And you'll hear names out of that baptism. I thought, I thought they were baptized last week. No, they, was, they were in the same family, same last name, same family. What are these people doing? They're going out and bringing their family to the Lord. And many that go to church all the time, they were concerned about children because they don't come to church. What are we going after them? Are we trying to bring them in? I want you to go to people nearby that are like you, the Lord would say, but I want you to go to people that are different from you. That's my call on your life. He doesn't say, you'll be my defense attorney. He doesn't say, I want you to be my prosecutor. He doesn't even say, I want you to be my salesman. He said, I want you to be my witness. What is a witness? All you simply do is say, I'm just going to tell you what happened to me. And by the way, you're an authority at that. Do you know that? You know that? Whatever has happened to you since Jesus came, nobody knows better than you. Right. Nobody knows better than you. A witness just tells people what they saw, what they felt, what they experienced. As best I can tell, this is what happened to me. Once I was blind, now I can see. Once I lived in depression, now I walk in victory. Once I felt isolated and alone, and now I feel like I'm a part of the family of God and I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You see, you're an expert on that. God is building a family. He's building a family of people. We're all to be a part of that, that family if we are believers. Our job as children are to help do what God put him, us here to do. And then he says, I want family members in every nation. I want you to go to every nation and carry the gospel to them and let them know that I love them. Look at Ephesians 3.11. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
That's our assignment. That's our purpose. The same thing God gave to his son, he gave to us. Jesus went about doing good. He was criticized because he did not stay in the religious circles. And matter of fact, the religious circles turned on Jesus because he ate with sinners. He would take a Nicodemus home. He would, live, he would go and spend time with somebody that was not of his culture, like the woman at the well. And then he says, now that's what I want you to, to do. I heard this story, God is in heaven. An angel comes up and God says, my plan is to give the good news to my children on earth and ask them to share it. And the angel says, but what if they don't? What is plan B? To which Jesus says, I don't have a plan B. See, we think somebody else is going to do it for us. It's just another form of entitlement. I'm entitled to enjoy the blessings while somebody else goes and does the service. I deserve this because I am born into the family and God owes me something. So how's God want to use you real quickly? He wants you to share his word. There's a man that Jesus healed, if you remember in the Bible. And after Jesus healed him, you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to travel with Jesus. He wanted to become an evangelist. He wanted to get licensed, ordained, and go along with Jesus. Wherever he was going to go. He said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Here's what Jesus said to him in Luke 8, 39. Go back home and tell your people how much God has done for you. Kind of popped his career bubble, didn't it? It kind of had to call the people on the telephone and said, maybe God isn't calling me to go somewhere and preach. Maybe he's calling me to go home and carry the gospel. And then begin from there. Whenever that man did go all over town telling people what God had done for him, it changed the lives of so many. Missions starts at home. It starts at home. How are you doing? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do what Jesus asked us to do? One of the reasons is we don't think people are interested in spiritual issues. That's what we think. You know what Gallup poll shows? It shows... They discovered that, that 65 million Americans have no church home, but 34 million of them said they'd go to church if somebody ever invited them. See, we think the world's not interested in spiritual things because we're not interested in spiritual things, even though we come to church every time the doors open. We're not interested in spiritual things. We're interested in the fellowship. Just love the fellowship and the food is out of this world. 34 million just waiting for an invitation. You know, there's not too many things that you cannot do in heaven. Religious things. You can sing in heaven. You can pray in heaven. You can fellowship in heaven. You can serve God in heaven. Yes, you can rest in heaven. But there's two things you can't do in heaven. One is sin. So you better get it all done here. Can't do it there. And number two, you can't tell people in heaven that don't know Jesus about Jesus because they wouldn't be there if they didn't know him. If you're ever going to do that, you better do it now. 
You better not take the position, when we all get to heaven, I'm going to be a missionary. <laughs> no, you're not. No need of that. I get to thinking about, when I think about myself, what am I going to do? You're talking about retirement. What am I going to do in heaven? They don't need any preaching in heaven. Doctors, what are you going to do? Forget about Medicare, Obamacare, whatever, we get to heaven. We don't need you up there. Teachers, what are y'all going to do? Mechanics, we don't need you. You know, it's going to be hard for us to do very much of what we've always done, right? But it's very important for us to realize that God wants us to tell people here about Jesus. For which of those two reasons do you think you're still alive? To send more or to tell more people about Jesus? Why are you still here? I think we all know that question. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants us to tell everybody about him. We, Sagemont, grows because we believe that people need the Lord. And we believe that Jesus loves not only the people of Houston, but everybody on this earth. Earth. The question is not how big should Sage My Church get. The question is how many people should be left behind. That's the question. Not how many come in, but how many are left. That's our responsibility. As long as we look out and see what's going on in our world, then we need to get the gospel out. Some things in the United States and the world just don't make sense to me. I'm not sure if I've seen the government in the last 20 or 30 years made a whole lot of sense to me. And it sure don't make any sense to me right now. We have had, right now we're in a big deal about protecting our children because 20 children, precious children, were killed at, at, at uh, Sandy Hook and, and it's, it's, it's everywhere. We're real concerned about 20, and we should be. But the hypocrisy of a government that wants to deal with 20 children in a shooting that allows 54 million babies to be killed in the wombs of their mother before they're ever born is rank hypocrisy. It's rank hypocrisy. Don't you try to make God look good because you're going to take the guns away and all that crazy stuff. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. We say we love and respect women and we want women's rights and yet we're going to send our women into the battlefield to be captured by the enemy and suffer as prisoners of war suffer by the enemy and now one of the opposite sex and you can fill in the blanks to all that kind of stuff and that is the ignorance of our world today. Our governments are not going to save us, not this one, not the last one, nor the one to come, but Jesus saves when we get into what God wants to do. I must dare to reach not only my world, but beyond my world to the people to the uttermost parts of the earth. 1 Corinthians 9, 22, I made all things to all men that by all means I might save some. Galatians 6, 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We have to go beyond our comfort zone. Jesus always rooted for the underdog in society. He always liked to minister to the poor, 
to the blind, to the imprisoned, those that were powerless, those that were left behind, the mentally ill, the social outcast, the lepers, the sick. That's just who he was. He is interested in every single person on the planet to hear that they are loved, and that's our responsibility. Fortunately, at Sagemont, for those of you that are first-time guests or those of you that may be watching, our church through the years has evolved into a church of a world outreach because we felt that was our purpose from the beginning. And when we look at our young leadership that's coming along in our church, that even our staff, when we look at these children that we'll see here in a few minutes, that are serving the Lord. And then we think about the Helping Hands ministry and Dr. Hastings and Sally and their organization to help those that are going through some really tough times. Our counseling ministry, our prison ministry, our transitional church ministry, mission trips. 2,000 of you took a mission trip somewhere in the world last year. Our Operation Christmas Child to send those boxes off to children, the medical bridges the Baird's ministry, the pet ministry, the clown ministry, the Project 77089, the effect, the banjo band. I mean, we can go on and on. Here's the point. Our purpose is to get people to the uttermost part of the world and tell them about Jesus. Now we're on the Internet. And people are watching right now from all over the world. Go out in the foyer. I went by a while ago this morning. Mission Media has received from the world 205,791 calls as of the moment I walked by there almost an hour ago today. And 26,000 people have prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into their life today, somewhere in the world. And you can see where the calls are coming from. Now that's getting out of our comfort zone. You know, while we're worried about amnesty and all this kind of stuff, Jesus says, you know, let, just be a part of the family of God. And let it take care, you know, of itself. Nobody knows but God what, what ought to take place. I sure don't know, except I know that he needs to be lifted up. And if he'll be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. Yes. I was in a meeting this week with some of the leading business people in our part of, of the city and all the way down to Galveston. Man, I, I went to grammar school with was called on to lead in prayer. He said real quickly, he said, I'm glad to pray, but if anybody's going to get offended, he said, the only way I know to pray is in the name of Jesus, my Savior and Lord. And he said, I'm going to end it that way. You still want me to pray? And they said, we do. You know, we, we're so worried about offending people. The only one we don't care about offending is Jesus. Yeah. And he's the one that deserves our loyalty. Yes. Matthew 25, 35. When I was hungry, remember this one? It's Jesus. You gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, you came unto me. And they said, when do we do all that? And he said in verse 40, he said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. When we call upon you to, to serve, not only here, and by the way, I should have said this, sir, let me say something. We can serve the Lord. It doesn't have to be a ministry of Sage My Church. I mean, you may ring the bell for the Salvation Army. You see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not putting that stuff down, folks, but just represent Jesus wherever you go. As he is, so I want to be in this world. 
But on the other hand, when the church, the body of Christ, needs you, don't say, but I do this, so I'm not interested in doing something in my church. That would be, I think, what the Lord would want us to hear. Mark 10, 29 says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There's no man that's left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Folks, that's big interest, a hundredfold. Somebody said that's 10,000% return on your investment. That's pretty strong. I don't understand the math, but it sure sounded strong to me. But here's what the, what the Scripture says, whatever you do for me, the Lord. He said, you're not doing it in vain. It will not be forgotten. If you're one of those, you have trouble because you did something nice for somebody and they never said thank you, just do it for the Lord. He'll thank you. He'll thank you. And he'll not forgive you forget you and you can best rest assured he will bless you but it's not enough to just share with the people in our world that we live in we must get the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth our whole purpose here at Sagemont in our missions is to focus on missions worldwide not forsaking anything at home, but to not stop at home. Everybody needs to hear the good news. I've got to care about the whole world. We can communicate from our home via the computer with the world. We can fulfill our mission better by just living a fulfilled life. With a spring in our step and a smile on our face and joy in our heart. And when we get to heaven, do you want some people to come up to you and say, Thank you. I wouldn't be here if I wouldn't have worked for you. I wouldn't be here if I, didn't move, if I hadn't moved in next door to you. I, I wouldn't be here if you and I didn't have kids playing on the same ball team or dancing at the same recital or singing in the same choir or going to the same church. I wouldn't be here. Thank you. Thank you. And I can assure you when we get to heaven, the thank yous are going to be sincere. They're not going to be for any other purpose than I am eternally grateful that once I was in blindness and darkness and you came to me and you didn't just keep the light, but you shared the light. And because of it, I've seen Jesus. I read not long ago that in the next 365 days, it's close to the first of the year, that this year 2.4 million Americans will die. Most of them will go to, into eternity without God and without hope. And 54 million people in the world will die. And most of them will go into eternity without God and without hope. You see how big the field is? You see how far we have to go? Do you see how many fish are in the pond? You say, but look at the one I caught. Yeah, and there's plenty more out there. Lots of them out there. But whatever you do 
in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. And do not feel like, well, because I can't do this or do that or whatever. And I'm no, I'm no longer strong enough. Maybe your call is to be a part of our mission program, and they'll tell you how you can use your computer at home to be a part of all those people that are calling today. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a prayer ministry. Your prayer ministry may come from your hospital bed, but it's a ministry, a prayer to encourage people to go to the uttermost part of the earth. So when Jesus laid it out so clearly here and said, as the Father sent him, so send I you, he made it real clear. And my dear friend, you'll never, ever, at any point in time in your life, say, I wish I wasn't spending so many time seeing people get saved. <laughs> I wish I would have seen so much change. You know, I just like to get, sit, be around people when they're bad. That's what I like to be around. I don't think so. I think the truth is we want them to see Jesus. Yes. Would you bow your head for a moment? Ask yourself, how am I doing, Lord? Let the Lord tell you. Well, Lord, what would you have me to do? Let the Lord tell you. Well, Father, I don't know anybody. Let the Lord show them who it is. Well, I just don't think there's a place. Let God find the place. We're going to sing one, one verse of an invitation. We're going to invite people to come to the Lord for salvation, for church membership. Maybe God is putting a call on your life to go into full-time ministry. Maybe something you struggle with. It may be like Gloria for all those years. She just needed believer's baptism. There's many in our church that have done what Gloria did today, and you ask any one of them, they'll tell you that's one of the greatest decisions they ever made in their life. Believer's baptism by immersion after salvation when I put on my identity with the Lord. Maybe you want to pray with somebody today that you're really struggling with something. You have two choices, three choices, really. One, you can go over and have communion. If you're a believer in the communion room across from the bookstore. You can go out here to the West Wing, to the chapel, the little prayer room, I should say, and there quietly with nobody bothering you, just sit down or kneel at the kneeling rails if you like and just pray before you leave the campus or go to a Bible study class. But for most of you, it ought to be in this Connection Center, the big room, directly off of our foyer behind the divine servant where people have moved now to be able to pray with you and talk to you and help you without pressuring you one iota to just follow the Lord, to help you discern what is God saying and here's how you can fulfill your desire to be obedient. So would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, in a moment, decisions will be made. There will be those in this auditorium that will feel the Holy Spirit so strongly that they'll either say yes or no or at a more convenient time. And it is for those that I pray specifically now, Father, that the Holy Spirit is convicting, that they would not put off another moment, not another day, not another hour of making things right with you. May they have the courage, the strength, and the schedule to just stop in to the Connection Center 
and, and see the love of God that is there and be present. If nothing happens to them, they'll be surrounded by people that will find a joy unspeakable because of their childlike faith and obedience. So bless the time now. As we invite people to come to you, may nothing hinder them. And in the name of Jesus, we, we rebuke the Satan and all of his demons by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to leave people alone in this place and let them choose and decide what they will do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand together. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.